Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. Oh, thank you, everybody. Yes, we're back. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast and your favorite creepy mustache Timberwolves evaluator, <laughs> Kyle. Uh, you got rid of the safety net five o'clock shadow since last time we saw each other. So you're just kind of all out there with the caterpillar. Yeah, I, I was telling you before we hit live that uh, I was going to d- delete it on Sunday. Like I was ready to be done with it. Um, but then the Vikings won. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know what? I haven't really shaved much since like the Vikings last lost in like week two or whatever. So now this is just a permanent fixture until the Wolves either lose two in a row or the Vikings lose. So if they just go to the Super Bowl. It's just going to keep getting. I don't even know if it's going to get longer, thicker, what the deal is, but uh, it looks we're terrible. All, yeah, we're all in on it. this. Well, tell her to get used to Kirko <laughs> Chains is going to be the t- determination of whether you get rid of that mustache or not. Um, so, yeah, this is Flagrant Howls on the Score North YouTube channel. You can find us also on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. If you could give us a five star rating and a positive review on uh, Apple Podcasts, it would help spread the word about this Wolves community that you're helping us build. And uh, click the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel. Uh, we found a guy just kind of bored out on the East Coast during a road trip. He's like, I don't know, we don't play for a couple days. So we figured, uh, let's get him on here and just uh, pepper him with questions. He is the legendary Jim Peterson at Jim Pete Hoops on Twitter. Uh, you saved yourself on the broadcast last night when you started a sentence with, this is what I tell my wife when she's wrong. And I was like, Jim, no, walk it back, walk it back. Yeah. Nice no, work, I, sir. Hey, I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of history with my wife. She watches all the games, and so uh, she loves it when I mention her, both bad and good. So we've got a long history of doing it. So okay, good, well, good. I, I want to thank you for not only coming on the pod, but you uh, you brought up a topic last night that I don't think any other broadcaster has ever brought up, and that's the idea of microwaves and hotel rooms. I didn't know that yeah. was a thing, and I always think about what do I do with these leftovers? I just when I'm on the road, I just like subconsciously bring with me to the room and then I leave them in the fridge. So on behalf of everyone, thanks for like alerting us. Well, that that's a real thing. Seriously, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been staying in hotels, you know, on a regular basis since 1984. And so it took me having a conversation with Carl Anthony Towns. We were leaving shoot around in, in Memphis. And I don't know, for some reason, we started talking about that hot chip and Carl. Carl did the hot chip challenge and he said he ate the whole thing and um, he didn't cough or anything. So he said he got it down. He was able to do it and, and survive. And then it led to, um, I had, uh, I saw Carl and we checked into the hotel the night before and he had this big, 
this dad had this uh, this two big bags of food, and I just assumed they did DoorDash because that ha- we see it a lot at the hotel, right? Guys getting DoorDash all the time. And so Carl's door opens up. His dad walks into the room, and I was like, um, "What do you get? How are you going to heat the food up?" He's like, "Well, he goes, I brought it from Minnesota. He goes, I'm just going to order a microwave to the room." I was like, "What?" <laughs> They have microwaves that they can bring to your room. He's like, absolutely. He goes, they'll bring your refrigerator too. What? And yeah, because you know a lot of these hotels have the the, the refrigerator that's fully stocked, right? So yep. you can't really put anything in it. A lot of times, if you take things out, they charge you yeah. for just removing it. Right? You get to drink so you five to... bottles of whiskey just to put your pizza in there. Like... <laughs> so yeah, so Carl tell, tells me this. I was like, dude, this is a game changer. You know how many times I've gotten leftovers on the road? I just left it at the at the restaurant because. There's no place to heat it up. This is a game changer. Who would have thought, like, who's the first person to think, oh, there's, like, usually it's, there's no fridge in my room. There's no microwave in my room. Like, And then that's where the thought process stops. But who's the first person to say, I bet they have a spare one down there somewhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the front desk. Just imagine a room full of semi-cleaned microwaves that you're just warming up Philly cheesesteaks in. Uh, at least you got, at least you got a plan, so. But yeah, thanks again for having, or being on. I know you have a couple oh, of days great. in Philly. Yeah. Um, let's just... We were going to ask questions about your time growing up in the league and uh, just what you think about. I mean, the Wolves are, you know, seven and eight, 15 games into this whole new experiment. Phil and I like to call it the target centers. Um, what's been your just kind of overall reaction to the first 15 games of this experiment? Um, I would say if I didn't say disappointment, I would be lying. I okay. think that um, I think I'm just being honest. I think that I would be uh, doing our fan base a disservice because I, you know, I, I've kind of prided myself on being sort of a, you know, taking the temperature of the room and a truth teller. I've never really wanted to like, like, uh, you know, sugarcoat things for mm-hmm. our fan base. Um, and so uh, obviously, you know, our job is to promote the team. Just like, you know, I think we all do everybody that, this is what this community is so great because everybody that sort of follows this team from from John Krasinski to all the beat writers to Dane to you guys like everybody that covers this team I think that one of the great things uh, you know Britt Robson is sort of the uh, the curmudgeon in the room which you kind of you kind of need that energy though because uh, it's just important to have that guy that is like the professor that kind of keeps it real um, but you know so I, I I was disappointed you know because I, I think we were all expecting kind of like um, t- picking up where we left off, but a little better. Like, I think obviously, you know, just talking with the coaching staff and and uh, everybody that was involved early on, um, everybody was kind of preaching, hey, it's going to take time. And um, and, and you kind of know that, right? But um, it, was the, it was the effort, I think, that was really sort of uh, perplexing to me because this team played so hard last year, you know? And uh, when Chris Finch has to sit there and coach effort, and then have to convince them that ball movement is what's uh, kind of a, it's kind of what needed. And he's, he's, he's talking about it game in and game out and um, something as simple as boxing out. Cause when you're getting worked on the glass every night, you t- the team was a very poor defensive rebounding team last year. And when you go back to the video and watch it and you're seeing corner crashers get in there and you see guys just following the ball with their eyes and they're not putting a body on somebody uh, it's just disappointing that you're talking about fundamentals like that. You can't even get into the more complex things that's that are going on on the floor. So, um, so I would say, you know, the short answer is uh, disappointment. But now, um, I think, and I was saying this uh, during this last long homestand, was that you know, it, it, when you're a player, sometimes when you're not playing well, I played for the Sacramento Kings, so um, there were there were times 
where homestands were bad because, you know, when you weren't playing well, you'd get boos just like we're happening at Target Center. And sometimes the best thing that can happen to a team is to go on the road because you build chemistry and the Wolves hadn't played very many road games this year up until that point. Um, and so sometimes going on the road can be the best thing. So while we played depleted teams, um, getting on the road and then getting that camaraderie, because that's what kind of happened last year too. They kind of got on the road and they built that chemistry and the Pat Bev effect and the Vando and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but the leadership of the team kind of presented itself and, and it was nurtured on the road. And that's what happens a lot. And that's what's happened now. I think these last two games, even though they've been depleted, both the Cavaliers and Orlando, um, one thing that's kind of unwritten right now, um, and I, I don't know what the general perception is, but sometimes when you're watching them play, you're kind of thinking that they don't like each other very much. But that's not the truth. This team actually spends a lot of time on the road. Like This is why getting on the road is great. They're having dinners together, and it's not just – two guys here and three guys there and two guys over there. It's, it's all of them together going to dinner. And, and, you know, Carl and Rudy have facilitated some of this stuff. There are other guys, Tori, and that's, it's important, but I think that's been one of the great things for me is like how you've seen sort of them come together here during this process. When they have dinner, are they all just like in a hotel room, just using the same microwave, Jim? Or they, do, they go to, do they go to restaurants? Or yeah, 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 the Carl's getting the takeout. Bring it your turn, <laughs> yeah. Run it back. So, run it back. Yeah, yeah. So you've you've hit on. So we, you know, Kyle and I. One of the things we started this podcast actually right after the Gobert trade went down, and we like our goal was to start it during kind of the summer off season, and all of a sudden, boom! Oh, here's Rudy Gobert, and uh, and as we were during kind of the dormant months. We actually, in one of our uh, episodes, we did the leadership power rankings on this team, and it was hard because you, t- you take away Pat Bev, and and you can correct me on some of this stuff because you are closer to the team than I am, but Cat isn't always the most natural, like, you know, hey, guys, follow my lead. I mean, he speaks to the media and whatnot, but I'm not sure that he has, like, the natural leadership of other star players. And um, Anthony Edwards is 21, and Gobert's coming into a new spot. So there is, there's, I think there's a question on two fronts. Number one, who are the actual leaders of the team as you're, as you're, you know, creating this new thing this season? But then two, when you watch teams like the Suns and some of these established teams when they're healthy, when they're in a moment of basketball crisis, it's a close game in the fourth quarter, or they're down by ten or something. They know exactly who they are, what to do, what sets work well, what lineup combinations work well, and this team's trying to figure that out as well. So on one hand, I'm with you. It's disappointing that they're under 500 through 15 games. On the other hand, they probably needed 20 or 25 games to figure some of this stuff out. I mean, that 0304 team with veterans and KG and Cassell, they needed 20 games to figure it out too. So I don't know. How do you am – I, am I sniffing around here, right, that they're trying to figure out leadership? They're trying to figure out who they are in some of these big moments? That's what it feels like when I watch. Yeah, you know, I think that um... – I think D'Angelo Russell has a higher basketball IQ. I, I think people realize that he's a smart guy, right? Like he's, 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 a, he's a very high functioning individual. And I think he knows the game. And I think that part of what makes him diminish in a way is that sometimes he doesn't always give you um, the effort that you want um, at the point of attack and ball screen action, getting through screens, being a tough defender, one-on-one, all that kind of stuff. So um the, even though that that's the truth, like he still does no basketball and he's still like, it's like last night, for instance, um, when Orlando was making their run, um, um, 
Rudy was a little upset about not getting the basketball and some of those dives to the rim. And uh, D'Angelo Russell play called his way out of it. And they ended up running the same set four times in a row. And they scored up all, all four times. And that yeah. was D'Lo play calling that. Um, and I think that that's kind of, you know, Finchie wants to play fast and free, right? He wants to play sort of the put, put guardrails on the team and have them play fast and free, play unstructured in some ways. Um, you've got secondary break actions that they run that kind of give them guidelines, but then they play out of it. But sometimes play calling is, is a good thing. And I think that having some structure is good. And that's what was needed last night. And he did that. So it's in those moments where you build trust in your teammates when you make those calls. And his game in, in Cleveland, I think, helped to re, replenish some of that trust as well. Um, and, and so that was fun. So like you were a big guy in the 80s when you came into the league. And obviously the league was played differently. But there's this idea now. And it happened in Utah, too. And that was one of the things that jazz fans always say when Rudy left is that, you know, he wanted to be more of a fixture on offense. Do you put any stock into that idea that even for like a rim protector, kind of a defensive minded guy like Rudy, that you need to give him some scraps every now and then to kind of keep him engaged offensively? Because that's been one of like the things we've already like last night. I thought you did a good job of pointing it out when he kind of turned around and was like demanding the ball. And then the next two plays, they fed him. And that's kind of when they took off and sealed the game. But do you? Do you think you've got to keep Rudy engaged on offense to kind of keep him, you know, mentally in the game on defense? You absolutely have to do that. I think okay. that, you know, because everybody has an ego right. and Ru Rudy's an all defensive player. I think that one of the things that you have to guard against is something that happened to Dwight Howard later on in his career. I think if you remember Dwight Howard, how good he was defensively. Um, you know, he started taking uh, tutorial, tutorial lessons in Houston from Kevin McHale and Kim Olajuwon, who are arguably the best two to do it in the history of the game. And I think, I think that Dwight got to a point where he wanted to be featured more too. And, and I think that was detrimental to, to his career because it got out of what he was and what he is as a player. So I think there's a, there's a tipping point, you know, where it can become bad. Like, I think that there's a, a healthy of uh, combination of Rudy and just not always having to run around and set screens and dive to the basket and be a decoy for the defense to collapse the or distort the zone or the man-to-man -man defense or whatever it is. When he dives to the basket and they switch and he's got a little on his back, you've got to give him the basketball. Yep. But but there's got to be guidelines to that too because I don't think on the box is the place to give it to him. It's in the front of the rim. Yeah. And with his with his back to the baseline, you know, it, he or if he's sealed over the top, you can throw it over the top to him yep. over the top as well. But there's you have to give it to him when he rolls down there and he's and he's open. And he's got a little on him. Um, so I, I get that. So there, there's there, there's a, there's a healthy sort of uh, distribution that has to happen. I think that's one of the things that kind of figured out over these last three or four games of like instead of just like taking turns like Finchie talks about of just having the ball movement be the thing that that finds the level, you know, and finds the open guy. So um, I think that that's a great question. And I think that they're figuring it out. Um, on the other pick and roll combo, when, when Ant is the the ball handler, someone, I think it was NBA central just tweeted this out a little while ago that uh, on Ant Gobert pick and rolls of which there's been 125 Ant has passed it to Gobert four times out of 125. What does that, does, is I don't even know how to put that number into context, but maybe from a chemistry standpoint, you know, how much does this team hinge on D'Lo and Ant developing pick and roll chemistry with Gobert? I mean, they have it with Cat, but with Ant with um with Gobert specifically, Jim Pete. 
Well, you know, the uh, the play set that they were running that they ran four times in a row that they got the ball to Rudy, um, um, it wasn't D'Lo that was delivering the pass. It was it was Rudy setting the screen for D'Lo, them Orlando switching, and then the big now is on D'Lo. So instead of D'Lo trying to throw a pass over the top of Mo Bamba, he moved it to Carl, and Carl made the pass to Rudy. And so I think a lot of times um, – you know, one thing that I know uh, for Mike Connolly when he was traded to Utah, that it took Mike Connolly almost a full season to really figure out how to how to play with Rudy. And and for Donovan Mitchell, there was all that talk about Donovan not wanting to throw the ball to Rudy in ball screen action. But it really wasn't about that. Those two are small point guards. And a lot of times when switches happen or if you get in traffic, they would try to deliver that pass to Rudy and we get deflected or the big would go back to Rudy and we get deflected or Rudy wouldn't catch it. A turnover would ensue. And so one of the things that Utah started doing was to make that pass to the slot and the slot player would make the pass to Rudy. And that's how they got it to Rudy a lot of times, or if it was Joe Ingles, that's why Joe Ingles was such a good pick and roll partner for Rudy Gobert was because he's six, nine and he could throw it over the top to the big, he would draw the defense. So I think it's a, it's a, combination of them understanding that when you're in ball screen action with Rudy and you have to understand that if, if the big is not committing to you, you've got to take it and score it. And then at some point you've got to be able to, when they do come to you, deliver the pass to Rudy in such a way that he can catch it and finish it. So I, I, you know, like I said, Mike Connolly is a veteran point guard. It took him a while to figure out how to play with Rudy. It's going to take more than 15 games for these two guys to figure it out. Now, Ant, Ant needs to be be a player maker, better playmaker, just generally speaking. Like he needs yeah. to really move yep. the ball. One thing, just film studying uh, for this Orlando game, watching Paolo Bancaro, is that I don't know if you guys have seen him play much, but he's got tremendous feel on how to do just that. So, like in some ways, he's already ahead of Ant in terms of his all around play. Um, one of the simple things that Ant could do too is a lot of times when you drive a seam and you get to the, you get to the, the heart of the, of a painted area. If you just slam on the brakes and look behind you, a lot of times that guy is the most open guy. So it's not, you can spray it to the corners of course, but, and Ant did that a few games back. Like he did it in the San Antonio game, the blowout game where he was, they, and Finchie calls it a slam pass, right? You, you drive into the paint, you slam on the brakes, you turn around and you throw it behind you because that's where the wake is. That's where the opening is. Yeah. And I think Ant needs to do more of that as well. Cause he could, if he unlocks that playmaking part of his game, it's going to be a whole nother level for him. You mentioned Mike Conley and how long it took him to kind of figure out playing with Rudy. You played on a couple of different teams in your career. Phil and I talk about this chemistry thing all the time. It, it's real, right? And how, like if, if it is real, how long does it take sometimes to really figure out all the little kind of, idiosyncrasies of a player and their tendencies like that, that can take half a season. Right. I mean, that, that we're kind of in that growing stages now of yeah. these guys figuring out how to play with him. It's such a different league now though, you know, and even, even like in the last five years, the way that defenses are played, I think that it was interesting that Finchie was talking about um, like the next level now for this team is to start reading defenses and being able to understand what they're seeing in front of them, making the right read. And so you talk about, you know, like the chemistry part of it. Like, I, I think it's really difficult sometimes. I think you watching the games, when you guys watch the games, do you always really understand if they're playing zone or playing man? No, I, mean, I don't sometimes necessarily. It's, yeah, because yeah, so, like with the switching concept, you know, you see switching all the time 
And so like in a zone, you expect guys to hand off guys within an action in, in a zone, right? If you're playing a two, three, if you're guarding, if you're at the top guarding a ball screen, at some point you're going to hand that player off to somebody else and you kind of expect that. Well, switching concept looks like a zone a lot of times. And there are teams that will show man and then go zone or show zone and go man within the possession after a pass or two. The Minnesota has that concept in their playbook. They, they do it too. And so you have to be, a, be able to diagnose that, you know? And so um, that's where like Ant, like doing the reads and, and that's where D'Lo having been, being experienced, he can do some of that. That's like the next level stuff of being able to read and understand what they're doing, um, what the matchups are. A lot of times with switching concept, um, you know, Finchie talks about in when a team switches a lot, and this is one thing that that uh, the Clippers would would beat teams with in Toronto does it guys that have teams that have high switch rates, is that um, the the reason why they're they're switching is they're trying to make it into an ISO game, and and that if you start playing ISO basketball, you're playing into a switching concept. You know that you really do. That's why you got to move the ball, but you can slip a switch you can roll a switch and then you can drive behind a switch okay so um if they're gonna if they're gonna switch um you you can that's where rudy rolling and getting that guy on his back that's that's a good thing for minnesota or what he did last night well on the second time they ran that play four times in a row rudy slipped out of it quick and they both stayed with d'lo and that's why carl was able to feed him for the dunk like so roll the switch switch the switch or drive behind the switch and so that's why Ant was not settling last night. He did a great job of when they would switch, he would he would drive behind the switch and he would get to the rim. And um, I think that's where I'm seeing like the most growth of them understanding how to play and then move the ball against the switch too, right? Don't sit there and play iso ball all the time. That's when it gets stagnant and that's when it doesn't look good. So I think they're learning and, and Finchie's just so good. Like I just, I just think that he kind of stayed patient. I know that it's probably like, doesn't always look that way. But he's he's such a great teacher, and um, I've just seen him work. Because so we're at practice, we're at shoot around. We hear him talking, we hear the coaches talking, and um, they're they're driving home these lessons, man. It's just a matter of whether these guys uh, get it get it up into their brains and start facilitating. Yeah, well, and I mean, you talk about patience. You know, they've you know 15 games in, and he's he's run the same line. He's he has not deviated from the starting lineup. Yeah. If it was up to Kyle and I, just overreacting <laughs> after like five minutes, like okay. Uh, D'Lo never plays again after, you know, the bad stretch. J, you know, you look at some of the J-Mac uh, lineup combinations. It's just like he's always a positive influence. Um, but it's they, clearly Finch has a feeling about the five-man starting lineup, and he and he doesn't want to deviate from it. So I think if you deviate from it too, Jim Pete, you're kind of admitting, oh, God, we're panicking a little bit. So maybe not deviating is, is sending a message to the team itself saying, no, this, this is the five. And then we'll have different combinations after that. Um, what are some? Give, give us your thoughts on some of the different combinations that you like. Some of the things that you think could work going forward. Who's got chemistry, and and who would you look to to double down on going forward? I'm I I really like J Mac on the floor. You know, I think that you know there was a time if you go back and look at lineup combinations with D'Angelo Russell too. There was a time where Ant and Cat couldn't play on the floor without D'Lo, and so um, there are situations where. Um, I think J-Mac is just such a, I think everybody, since he's been brought up and, and, you know, he went through the Iowa Wolves thing and they kind of nurtured him down there. And when he would come up, everybody loved playing with J-Mac, you know? So 
I think any kind of lineup with J-Mac in it is a good thing for me. I, I I just have so much respect for his game and how he comes to play, whether he plays or doesn't play. He always comes in ready to play. And uh, I think guys like it because he plays with um, the way he breezes up the floor. Like he just gets the ball to the floor so quickly, either with the pass or with his dribble. He plays at great pace. Um, he's, he's not selfish. And he's, you know, he's one of those point guards that, I think can still be incredibly successful running your offense, even though he can't shoot. Yeah. And, um, and so like th- that's very rare by the way um, of being able to do that because a lot of times if, if they just go under on him all the time, that used to be Ricky Rubio's problem, right? Like Ricky was such a master running an offense, but teams would go under on him all the time on ball screen actions that sometimes Ricky would, would be a detriment to your offense against elite level teams. But J Mac just is, he just got that way of getting it back on the other end too. Like he, he creates possessions for you. He's hard to play against. Like he's, he's, he's all, he's, he gets through screens in such a way that keeps your defense connected. So um, I like the way he plays with Ant. I think that um, the, 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 the challenge for Finchie and he was talking about this is that he needs to get offense around Rudy and defense around cat. So to, yeah. to the degree that you can have lineup combinations that kind of do that. I think that's a good thing. Um, Anthony Edwards, and D'Lo split have been good. Like it's been good for, for, for Anthony Edwards anyway, you know, getting, um, getting those two split up. Um, but like I say, like there was a time last year where, where Ant and Cat couldn't play together without D'Lo. So um, I don't know. It's, it's a work in progress, but I, I really do. I really do think that uh, that Towns and Gobert figuring it out together. Um, I still want to get, um, go back to that lineup. And one thing that's kind of, been disappointing for me because I'm such a big fan of his um, because I bought Jalen Noel stock early early on like I was a fan of his when 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 Gerson uh, drafted him in the second round just um, doing doing draft prep that year I went to a lot of Washington games and and watched um, watch Matisse Thibel I went there for Matisse Thibel but I was like I was like holy cow Jalen Noel is like really good and then you realize he's the Pac-12 player of the year and uh, so I was pretty excited when we picked him up, but like his three point shooting needs to become more consistent. I think that's one thing we saw last night from Anthony Edwards when he started talking about like, what is the next frontier for this team is like consistency. Right. And that means everybody. And that means someone like Jalen Noel, if that, that, that sort of hybrid lineup that Finchie threw out there in Oklahoma city, where it was, it was Ant, uh, J Mac, uh, Noel, Torian Prince and Nas Reed. You know, that that lineup was 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 kind of a breath of fresh air. The way they moved the basketball was kind of like that that COVID period last year when everybody had COVID and that second and third unit, yep. they kind of they kind of taught that team how to play basketball, right? How yeah, to move the yeah. ball. Um so and any team, and so Kyle Anderson like is the other guy that I think now, like like Vinci had Kyle and uh J Mac on the floor at the same time, like with Carl. And I thought that was great with Anthony Edwards as well. So Kyle's become, I mean, he's always been a favorite of mine, even going back to when he was in high school. Um, you know, when you play for Bob Hurley and, uh, and you, you have that sort of pedigree and then you go to UCLA and he's got that six, nine frame and he's a point guard that can handle. And he's such a smart player. Um, he's got some defensive deficiencies, but you talk about leadership, Phil, I think he's another guy that, you know, while he's a new player, the kind of, I think his personality type, I think he's got, you saw a little edge to him last night yeah. uh, in, in Orlando. 
Um, I think he's got a high basketball IQ and an edge. I think he's just kind of biding his time, but I think he's that guy that can also be, Hey, I've been there. I've yeah. been to the playoffs. I've been a high level basketball player for a long time. I think he's a guy that can also be a shepherd out there and, and lead these guys a little bit himself. Um, this is great, man. I feel like we could do this for like two hours right now, but we want to, we want, we'll do it again sometime. Maybe we'll do it, uh, in the, in the PNW when you guys come to Portland and yeah, like a month. We'll yeah, go, we'll Kyle go and I talked about that. Kyle's house or something. Well, Kyle and I are going to go play golf in Portland. Yeah, we got a Sunday tea time. Some, we got, we got to get some weather though, man. We got to get some good weather coming. So give us good vibes up there. Kyle. It was, uh, I golfed on Friday and it was like 55 and it, it, as long as it stays dry, right. Maybe bring a extra pair of pants in case it rains, but, um, we do got to ask you before we let you go, because speaking of chemistry, uh, earlier this season, we had Michael Grady on your new teammate. Yeah. Um, we loved him. He thought he was great. He has a lot of energy. He also has kind of a chip on his shoulder. Phil, you remember that, right? When he was talking about kind of why not us? Like why, why can't the Timberwolves be up there with the yeah. top teams in the league? Uh, yeah. So what's it, what's it been like working with Grady? Um, and what, how is it, how has it been developing a chemistry with him? Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, everybody was kind of disappointed when, when Ben's got let go, just because Ben's has been such a fixture. And I, you know, like, again, I just, I just think that, that, that was real for me. And, you know, the, the same was true when I worked with Tom Hanneman um, and uh, they brought Ben's in because Hanny, Hanny still was with us. He still did pre-post work. And so, you know, I really didn't want to change partners then either, but then, you know, you uh, trades happen. I've got a whole history. I was traded twice in my NBA career and I saw players come and go. Um, heck, the first, my first game as a pro, I got to be really tight with this guy named James Bailey. Jumping James Bailey played at Rutgers, played for the Seattle Sonics when they won the championship in 79. And JB was my locker mate. And we were on the road in San Antonio. First game of the year in San Antonio at Hemisphere Arena. I sit down next to JB and we're sitting there and we're kind of getting undressed. And, and Carol Dawson, the, the assistant coach at the time, comes over to James Bailey and says, James, you've just been traded to the San Antonio Spurs across the across the hallway. And so JB got his stuff. And like, I'm like, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, my buddy just got traded. Like, it, and we haven't even played a game yet. I was like, this is a cold world. So I've got a whole uh, history of it. But I can't tell you, Michael Grady is one of the finest human beings I've ever met in my life. Um, he is such a classy individual. He's been so uh, wonderful to work with. So while we miss Ben's, two things can be true. Um, while we miss Ben's, and, and I certainly miss my friend Dave, um, you know, Michael Grady is a complete home run and um, just a fine individual. He's got a great call. Um, I'm always blown away with um, when you build chemistry with somebody. Um, it's just, it's been, it's been a pleasure to get to know him and I'm really lucky to be able to work with such great people night in and night out. Love it, man. Love it. By the way, we may want, I, I so Tom Crean is available. Uh, <laughs> we've already got, we've already cleared a seat on the charter for him yeah, to come with Can us, we, can he way. just kind of hang out and make all these trips until he, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was great last night, man. Like, he, how great was Katie last night interviewing him though? So too? Katie, that was Katie, awesome. Yeah. He just did a, she just did a great job. Um, and she, by the way, you know, we all also lost Marnie on our traveling team yep. too. So that that's another teammate that's kind of new. Like Katie, we know Katie, she's been around for a little while, but um, she's also had to fill some pretty large shoes too, by the way, because Marnie yeah. Gellner is pretty, pretty tough to, 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 uh, to, to replace. But um, no, she did a great job with Tom Crean and it was really fun to hear a different perspective, right? Kind of heard stuff about Aunt Yep really heard before. 
and didn't know, you know, some of those phone calls and texts that he's getting from Tom Crean. Um, we just need more of that. We need more reminders for Ant on game day. Yes. Just, we should just <laughs> find like 10, 10 fixtures. Tom Crean, who, just, there's a new person every game. Hey, dude, go drop 30, pass the ball, et cetera. Um, Jim Pete, great catching up with you, man. Thank you, too. Thanks, Love Joe. you on the broadcast. Thanks, thanks buddy. We'll see you again soon, all right? Yeah. Hey, bring thanks for text, Thanks for texting me last night, Kyle. I, I enjoy being on with you guys. Enjoy your Yeah, bring, you your, bring your clubs job. next month. Okay. All right. All right. Jim you, Peterson boy. from Bally Sports North. 25 years, man. One of the absolute legend. One I was, of the best in the business. You know, I'm I'm a, I've said this before. I'm from North Dakota, but I feel like I can speak for Minnesota sports since we didn't really have anything to look forward to in North Dakota. But is Jim Peterson? Because like you know, I I knew all this stuff before, but I was prepping a little bit today. Is he on like the Mount Rushmore of Minnesota basketball? As I, was, a, I mean, for, for right? his, I, I mean, was he looking, was he was an excellent young player. Mr. Basketball in 1980. I think he was the state's first McDonald's All-American. Boy, that's you. That might be right. I mean, he so, was an incredible young player four, back four before you and I were born. But right, yes. four years with the Gophers. Um, played alongside Hakeem. I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew this. I knew he was drafted with Hakeem Olajuwon because they were teammates back in. I think it was 84. He was 51st overall. They used to do a 10 rounds of the draft. Did you know that he was in the same draft also as Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley? Yeah. Yes. Like just there was a pretty, pretty loaded draft class uh, in that one. But yeah, I mean, he, he played in the NBA finals in 85, 86. Um, and I was just thinking like, man, he, he kind of epitomizes. He's been with this team doing TV stuff since 2003. He had radio before. So he is, you know, him and Jeff Munich are kind of like the two. No offense to A-Rod and Laurie, but like they're like the two real owners of this team. Like they've been they through go it back, all. Yeah, they go so. back to the early 90s with, with this team or mid-90s for Jim Pete. Um, that's a great – that the Mount Rushmore of Minnesota basketball is – we'd have to almost narrow it to like – You have to be more specific, Like born right? in yeah. Minnesota. Yep. Or, or, went, or at the very least went to high school in Minnesota mm-hmm. or college at the University of Minnesota or something. I mean, Trent, Trent Tucker – Yep. Tyus is in the mix. Trent Tucker is in the mix. We have Kevin McHale. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be, we should actually do, we should save this for deal. I was next, just thinking, uh, I was like, man, next is he... August or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When we run out of, uh, when our power sh- or our leadership power rankings melt, we'll have to do this. But I was just, I've always been a big fan of him. He actually kind of got me into, I, I interned with the Lynx back in the day when I was in college. Um, and Jim was coach, assistant coaching for Cheryl Reeve and the Lynx back when they were winning titles every other year, but he kind of got me into covering basketball by connecting me with uh, the late, great Tim Allen. He used to wow. be the site manager at Canis. So there's not two bigger fans of Jim Pete than, than you and I. Um, awesome, and we'll, 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 I'm, he said it last night when we were swapping texts, like he'll, we'll get him back on the pod this season, but I just thought it was a good time. The vibes are high, but I also think that guy too, again, like he, he played on a team with, I guess I know it was in the eighties, but he played on a team with Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon, two bigs. Um, he kind of gets it and it's funny because the vibes are good today, Phil, after, you know, they thoroughly dismantled the magic last night, but still a lot of talk about, does this team like each other? You know, can they, can they fit together? And I think Jim provides, I mean, he's on the plane with him, right? Like he, he's in the hotel with him. So a cool perspective of someone that's kind of boots on the ground. Um, but yeah, Jim Pete, local legend. Yeah. We'll get him. We'll, we'll get him again at some point. He's, uh, he's just, he's always willing. He's an awesome guy. He's super busy, so he's not always available. But uh, before we go and dive into the comment section and get to some other other things here on Flagrant Halls, a shout-out to our friends over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. So they are an official partner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
and an official partner of Flagrant House and Score North. And they're all about, they've been around since 1904, uh, both inside and outside the state of Minnesota, you know, wherever your business is. And they're all about risk management, elevating your business, and looking out on the horizon as kind of a guiding hand to help you navigate the waters of being a business owner. Federatedinsurance.com, where you can find out more information about the industries that they work with. Uh, remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Okay, Kyle, do we dare dive into the comment section? Yeah, Score North I, YouTube channel. I, I, I'm guessing all the comments are just like great prediction on the Wolves pummeling the magic. And then as when they beat the the Sixers this weekend and we record on Monday, they'll be like, wow, yeah, I can't believe you predicted that they'd get back to 500. Good job. Yeah. Sometimes people I notice doing this for a number of years now <laughs> will lash out at the messengers or you know, the right. people who yeah, have opinions yeah. on what's happening. It's I had a guy reach out to me who's been a, an off and on Purple Daily listener for the last couple of years. He says, you know, I used to think you were an idiot and I used to hate you. But your takes have been more reasonable this year about the Vikings. And so I, I find myself listening more often. And I was like, are my takes more reasonable or are they eight and one? And yeah. I'm just praising them more often. Show me I don't your know. YouTube numbers, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so let's uh, let's I'm just going to go through some of these here from our latest episode on the Scornoth YouTube channel. We we are always available on Twitter if you want to fight or if you want to kumbaya, whatever. Uh, Andrew W. says. And again, this this was kind of off of like multiple straight losses. D'Lo is problem number one. Ant is problem number two. D'Lo game is internal. He's always himself, always cool and calm, but can't recognize when he doesn't have it that night. Ant's game is external. Feeds off his shots, teammates, energy, etc. Last, uh, last season, he had much higher energy and playing with more joy because that was the vibe that Pat Bev and Vando gave off. And the high wall scheme was energetic, etc., Ant is 21, needs a role model from a winning guy, and that was Pat Bev. What are your thoughts on Ant playing off other people's energy? I think it's a really good call. I mean, again, last night, Tom Crane was in the building, and I think that energy is what helped Ant just play so freely. But he also, I thought Ant gave some really good post-game quotes, too, about just, you know, and, and John Krasinski had a sentence in his article today on The Athletic that was just all by itself, and it just says, Anthony Edwards is 21. Say it out loud. Like he is still, he said it last night, I'm still trying to figure out like routines and habits, not just all the, you know, the X's and O's that go on on a basketball court. But I think mm-hmm. that guy's trying to figure out when to go to bed. <laughs> as, as soup as that sounds, like he's still trying to take care of his body a little more with nutrition. And how do I get up for these, you know, back to second game of a back to back and stuff. Um, and I think it's just, this is all part of, you know, I think Jim provided a really good example. And you kind of hear this when you talk to people of the team, the, the, the vibes are never as low as you think they are. Even when you're getting pummeled at home and people are booing yeah. you. And they're also really not, never they're never as high as you think they are. Right. Like you can, the golden state warriors won a championship six months ago. And now that team has one of the worst vibes in the league. Body language is bad. They have no good players outside of Steph. So it's almost like one of the players punched another player right before the season started. <laughs> like that's kind of almost. the vibes I'm getting from golden state. <laughs> yeah. Just like, Hey, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't clock a guy in the teeth uh, two days before the season starts. But Man. no, I, I that's, that's the next evolution for ant is age and lack of experience. Cause he didn't have many games in college were, were kind of a reason to give him an excuse, give him a pass compared to a guy like Carl or a guy like D'Lo. But also, as you see with like a John Morant, at some point you can be 22 and set the culture yourself. So I think Pat, you know, Ricky got to play with Ricky Rubio's rookie year, who was a big change your face, be happy guy. 
Pat Bev was more of a, you know, all business type guy, but I think Ants had a good couple, you know, teachers as freshman and sophomore year, but you know, you become a junior, you become a senior, you, you go off into the real world. Like you got to start to establish that tone. So I thought last night, I actually thought, you know, Ant played really well against the Grizzlies last Friday, kind of deferred on Sunday in a, in a blowout win against the Cavs. And then last night did his thing again. So I think you're just kind of seeing him slowly figure it out. But I think the comment itself is, is a good call there. There's no more 21, 22 Timberwolves. There's no more Pat Bev. You got to figure it out now. And who is going to be your new Pat Bev? Who's going to be your energizer? You know that we talked about this on the Monday episode with, with Ant last night was another example of what he's capable of. Mm -hmm. And that's just taking over a game and Mm -hmm. hitting every shot from three point range and, and driving to the hoop. And he was a playmaker too. I mean, he, there was a bunch of drives to the hoop where he sucks in three defenders and boom, now it's spin cycle time. And, and he can be that guy, and he's been that guy in like forty percent of their games so far this year. Mm-hmm. He's been that guy, um, even just pulling up his game log. I mean, he now has four thirty-point games, a twenty-nine, a twenty-eight, couple twenty-four-point games with efficient shooting. Those were losses, but like forty percent of the games, he's been the version that we know that he can be. Right. It's the other. It's the other nights. What when when your shot's not going in. When yep. the external, when Tom Crean's not there, when the external energy <laughs> is weird or something, how do you still make a huge impact on the game? And that's the biggest thing he's still trying to figure out. And it's the biggest thing that prevents a, a really good player or an all-star player from being more of a transcendent franchise carrying type player. And and I will always say that I, he has all the tools, right? I think he has the mental makeup. He has the physical tools. Uh, I will always say, though, that he and everyone else in that 2020 draft class, it was just such a weird time to be drafted to professional basketball. It was COVID. There's no summer league. There's no real like run up to the beginning of that season. And I just think he missed out. He's kind of a young, immature dude in general um, being 21. Like he just missed out on a lot of important reps about, you know, if he would have played in summer league his rookie year, he would have had a curfew in Vegas, right? Like he would have been just taught these little basic things. So I think you're starting to see him, piece it more together and last night you know when you do post-game media you kind of the players are separate from the coaches but he talked about when they asked him like hey what the ball just seemed to move more tonight what was the deal and he's like I think that was maybe in large part because of me because I was making more cuts I I can't be lazy I gotta move and then Finch five minutes later echoed the same thing he was like you know I thought Ant kind of inspired us in that starting lineup to move you know play without the ball um so again that guy every night be that guy you gotta be that guy every night because as we've talked about like all-star, you know, star players can get you 35, 40 against the magic, right? But superstars will get you that, you know, 30 every night. And they'll, they'll just their, their floor is so much higher. Uh, and that's what John Morant did his third year. Yeah. So for Ant to take that next big leap, it's just got to be more consistent. Uh, but yeah, he, he looked well last night. I thought Carl has played now a really good string of basketball. He has Jim, very quietly, by the way. He hasn't. I, it's been a long time since I've watched the game and thought, God dang it, Carl, stop being. <laughs> I wasn't going to let you off before we le- I threw this question to you. Jim brought it up last night about Carl and, and D'Lo, much credit to D'Lo, but getting Rudy involved in that one moment, and it kind of swung the tide again. But uh, I don't know if it was the the new hairstyle or turning 27, but it seemed like last night Carl Anthony Towns did what you and I wanted, and he just played basketball. Yeah. He, he looked like a professional, Man. all business, and – Dude, he clapped. He was clapping. There was like six fans in the arena, and he clapped all of them. <laughs> but but not but like not in the way that it got into his head, and he was complaining. He was just like, "I'm." They're pissing me off. They're sitting courtside on our end of the basket. 
I'm just going to go get and ones like four straight trips. I'm going to yeah. cook bowl bowl. And then I'm going to look and bark. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like that. Yes. So, I, I would rather him bark in a controlled way at annoying fans than, than at the ref. If, if his energy is going to be divided between like being a cyborg and scoring 30 points and grabbing 10 rebounds and, you know, just dominating the game and, and then clapping the idiot in the front row or <laughs> yeah. palms in the sky, like playing the victim kind of stuff. Like, let's channel that out, bring the other stuff in. And that's the next evolution. That, as a That's player. what happens when you get to eat leftovers in the hotel. Like, shout out to that that's microwave. Great. Shout out to that Four Seasons microwave because <laughs> it might have turned. Uh, you know, there's. A, did you did you catch the, the end of the game? I thought this was really yeah. cool. So I wanted to ask Jim about this. But uh, uh, they, the Wolves played on Friday in Memphis. Chris Vernon, um, NBA media guy, was there. He lives in Memphis. He kind of talked. He tweeted out how, like, the vibes just look bad. Like, all the players' body language and they eye roll each other and stuff. Whatever. He was there. And I, I take that. I've seen some eye rolling even on yeah. TV. And when I was at the game against the Knicks, and, and, and old Macadac lucked his way into some nice seats where you can <laughs> see the eyeballs of players, definitely some eye rolling. So yep. that's not yeah, a... no, and I, I and, and Verno is awesome at what he does. Uh, but then last night they had that moment late in the game where they put in A.J. Lawson. He had just signed a two-way. He yeah. kind of became an NBA player again. And they got like a backdoor cut for him to get a dunk. And the players went crazy, crazy, so crazy that they actually got themselves a technical fall for like That's right. breaking bench rules. <laughs> but, you know, again, I don't think anything Bruno said last Friday was wrong. You said that too. Like, you know, sometimes when things are low, this team just kind of side eyes everyone. But I also think it's worth noting that last night, those guys all kind of huddled around a young two way player. Um, and again, going back to Jim's thing, it's like it's never as low as you think, it's never as high as you think. So, this team is trying to figure it out. We're at the 15 game mark. Um, and I think they've played their best kind of what is 48 times two. I don't know. Played their best hundred minutes of basketball this season. So 96, uh, it, by the way, 96. thank you for that. Yeah, They'll, uh, let's see if they can parlay it into a, they got a good game on Saturday on NBA TV against the Sixers. They'll be the second night of a back-to-back for Philly. So um, hopefully they can kind of keep this momentum building and get back to eight and eight. And then that would be, if it's three in a row, it'd be 144 minutes of basketball, unless they go oh, to well, overtime. Let me pull up Excel. Okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, let's see. Stu, uh, Stu's D in the YouTube comment <laughs> section says, you need a straw that stirs a drink jar nearby. Every time Phil <laughs> says it, $5 goes in. I don't think I said it yet on this episode. I don't think no. I have. But you had a thing. Maybe we can do this. Let's let a couple more games play out. You were going to lay out today why someone else is the, is the straw that stirs the drink. Well, again, I just – last night was so impressive. One game, Orlando had, like, one good player and four Disney characters out there, but – I, I wonder if Carl Goofy's made, just in the corner. Throw it to me. Yeah. And there's a Kyle Anderson audio clip where he was swearing and it sounded just like Mickey Mouse, like the Mickey Mouse from <laughs> South Park. I thought it was him. Um, but no, I wonder if Carl Delo said it like week one is like Carl can lead this team in assists. I think right now he's averaging like maybe five and a half. He's just below Delo at six. Uh, yeah. It's but five, you know, 5. May, may, maybe Carl is the guy that can relate to being a big who maybe doesn't touch the ball as often as he wants. Um, and he can kind of be that, that bridge for, because I do think at the end of the day, Rudy doesn't need the ball as much as he wants the ball. But I also think, again, you had a really good stat about Ant, Delo, like those guys got to get him the ball more, but um, maybe, maybe the way to do that is just to cycle it through Carl and then let him kind of be that facilitator. So I've, I've really enjoyed the last week of Carl Anthony Towns again, Agreed. much like Ant doing it consistently. Cats got to keep that same energy on on Saturday when they played Joel Embiid. I don't think the Wolves have ever played Joel Embiid without Carl kind of being the guy to guard him. 
So Carl's Carl's got a bouncer now. Carl's got security now, <laughs> right? Do you remember that game last year? That was like I think they were without Carl. They had just gotten pummeled in Charlotte, and then they went into Philly. And it was like that double overtime win. And well, that was, had, that, they brought yeah they brought Embiid back from his yeah. He had like, was like yeah, they thought that'd be sweet to bring him back or whatever. So there will be some storylines for that Saturday night game. But uh, yeah, I, I I do wonder now if you know Delo's still been really good this week, but Carl might be the you know. Get, get ready to drink, but Carl might be the straw that stirs the drink here um, because be. he just is a good, good facilitator, good teammate. And you know, if you, so he's averaging a career high in assists by yep. far, it's like an extra assist per game on top of his previous high. His rebounds are down a little bit, but he's still averaging nine. His three point shot is actually at the lowest percentage since his rookie year. So he's at 37% right now, likely will go up to 40% mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. in the season. So he hasn't fully clicked on that yet. And so he's averaging 21, 9, and 5.5. And, and let's assume the points go up a little bit because he's going to be he's gonna be making some more threes. Let's say, let's say he becomes like a you know, 23, 9 or 10 rebounds, 5 assists. If if you're getting if that's the version of Carl that you're getting, and you're you're getting a you know a guy that's more involved in the passing game and distributing and stuff, like that's a huge win. If if that's the guy that he is now, and we're tapping into some some Carl passing and playmaking. That's a nice side effect for uh, now it has to work within the context of a winning team and mm-hmm, winning yeah. lineup combinations and stuff. But that's it, an interesting development is his passing resulting in other people getting baskets. Um, one more here uh, from flip one Oh one commenting on Ooh. your drunken Sunday escapades. Oh, he my says all things, <laughs> all things considered, Kyle, you're not drinking enough water. <laughs> <laughs> buddy right here oh, he's got or is that gin is that gin or uh, water nope that's h2o but no okay, I, I do i did need to mix in uh liquid ivs liquid iv uh management if you're out there listening we'd love you to sponsor the pot as well but liquid ivs are always a good way to get back in the game just mix that in shaker bottle you're Boom. back ready to rock and roll so all right well there's your there's your flagrant house fix for this thursday here appreciate jim peterson coming on the show and Talking basketball, he went deep dive there, man, on some basketball X's and O's. Like he's talking about the three different things you can do against switching defenses, and like, man, guys, well, freaking. When he asked, I, it was a great answer, I think, by me. But when he was like, "Do you guys always know what kind of defense the other team is in or the Wolves are in?" And I'm just like, I have no idea. I just yeah. kind of wait for you to tell me. <laughs> but no, I mean, because do you guys really know what you're watching when you watch basketball? No, honestly, like that, Jim, Jim, that's why I'm texting you during the game. It's like, can, what was that high wall? What's going on? But no, he he is a. Uh, I know he took it pretty hard when 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 Ben's uh, kind of didn't get resigned or whatever. But um, they were, you know, he is known around the league as like not only does he as he started the whole podcast off. He the first thing he said was I was like, well, what do you think about this fifteen games? And he's like, I've been disappointed. He doesn't yeah. hold back. I love um, it. he also just brings a ton of knowledge. I learn something new every night. So yeah, he's been he's been great. I do want to ask him just like deep stories about being in the league. He he still I know uh, talks to Kevin McHale a lot. So. At some point, we got to get him back on and just be like, hey, give us all your best Kevin Garnett, Kevin McHale stories. But yeah, he 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 educates us every night, and that's what you want from your your analysis, right? Like you yes. want him to obviously maybe kind of cheer for the team when things are good, but when they're not good, he's not afraid to he doesn't hold punches. Yes, a freaking men. So thank you to everyone for uh, we're like almost what four months for four months into Flagrant House here, something like that. And we we just appreciate the the early response here. The, the numbers on our end, we mm-hmm. we see it's been awesome. So thank you to everyone who's found us either via podcast or via the Score North YouTube channel. And uh, we'll see if the Wolves can claw their way back to a 500 mark and then 
maybe take off at some point here. <laughs> He's Kyle. I'm Phil. This is Flagrant Howls, your Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.